Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. This is Tommy Yanolis, one of the founders of Ops Analytica. I want to thank you for checking out the Order Up podcast. If you're looking to run better, safer, and more profitable restaurants, I highly encourage you to start managing by checklists and using the Ops Analytica Inspector to help you hold your managers more accountable and to get that increased visibility into your daily operations. Check us out online at opsanalytica.com or just search Restaurant Checklist app. Hey, Order Up Show fans. Uh, This is Tommy Anolis here, and I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast, and I want to welcome today our guest, uh, Mr. Wayne Humphrey. How are you doing, Wayne? I'm doing great, Tommy. How are you doing this morning? Good, good. Uh, so for those of you guys, Wayne is the uh, COO of a burger chain out here in Colorado called Lark Burger, and they are starting to expand nationally. And Wayne, just so you know, welcome to the Order Up Show. This is a restaurant podcast for restaurant operators. And just on our interviews, just to refresh everyone's memory, we always ask the same five questions of every guest. So um, we'll just get started. And uh, Question number one, Wayne, explain what you do today and then take us through your career progression from your first job in the industry. Okay, how much time do we have? Because I'm an old guy. I've been doing this for a long time. But Six. yeah, currently, as, as, you, as you mentioned, uh, the chief operating officer for Lark Burger, uh, it is a, uh, the, a better burger chain extraordinaire based out of Colorado. And and of Colorado, it's chief operating officers, most people can, can gather. Of a small entity, you do a lot of things. You know, you wear an awful lot of hats. Uh, focus on operations and everything that that entails, which essentially is people, food, and place. Um, but development, the, the real estate construction side of it, um, also marketing, supply chain, uh, the, the whole ball of wax. And... Uh, as again, as a small company, we, we've all been there. We do an awful lot of things uh, to, to you know, stay within budget and to kind of keep your arms around things. Uh, I've been with Larkburger for two years now, started in early 2015. Larkburger is a company that is different than a lot of companies in that it has its, its roots and its origin right here in Colorado, as you probably know, Tommy, uh, from the Larkspur restaurant up in Vail. And, and it, it it's one of the things that makes it really fun and I think differentiates it from uh, some other burger places. There's plenty of really good burger places, but, but our origin is right there in Colorado. And as we've grown from, from um, the Larkspur, we've been able to really benefit from the heritage of the fine dining, the quality food, uh, using the same culinary techniques, things of, of that manner. And that's what really attracted me in the first place because it was a well-known brand already fairly well established and, and growing with, with a superior product. And then that story, actually, that it's, it's real. It's organic from Colorado. Prior to that, and I'll start at, at the, in the early days, it was just like everybody else in this business. I was 15 years old. I was just about to get my driver's license and had to have a real job. You know, mowing lawns and delivering newspapers wasn't enough. So I started off as a busboy in a restaurant and ended up, that was the Bonanza Steakhouses out in San Francisco Bay Area. And I ended up staying with that company for 10 years. Kind of that 10-year length of, of employment is about my average, actually, in the industry for one reason or another. But I ended up uh, for the last five years being the director of operations of that company. Um, I left 
California and came to Colorado in 87. And I joined a group called Jamco, which was a restaurant management firm. And uh, the, the highlight of that was probably the Harvest Restaurant and Bakeries. And uh, in 92, I shifted away from working for the, the management company and bought one of the restaurants myself, bought a couple of them. So I had a Harvest up in Boulder and a Harvest Express in the Greenwood Athletic Club in the Greenwood Village area. And uh, along the way, uh, acquired another restaurant called Blossoms, which was really focused on banquet business in Aurora and developed a catering company, was self-employed, uh, kind of juggling all those different operations for about 10 years again uh, through 2002, where I went to Noodles and & Company and started at Noodles & Company as a trainee, just a management trainee. I still had my restaurant, but I was really, really focused on you know, what's going on in the industry? What's changing? Uh, and what was changing was a lot. You know, fast casual in Colorado was a real hotbed of fast casual. Had really started growing. It was very interesting in that it uh, featured better quality food in a casual, uh, casual atmosphere, uh, very affordable. But also it was, it, it was something that didn't require um, you to personally be there all the time. It wasn't personality-driven. Uh, like a lot of uh, the other, the other uh, positions that I had held. And it really intrigued me. Um, and I stayed with Noodles & Company uh, all the way through 2014, uh, started off, like I say, in management, and uh, had uh, a series of, of, of quick, possibly ill-advised promotions up to <laughs> running the uh, the Western region. Uh, the re- so I was termed the, rest, the, the regional director of operations, uh, of, I don't know, about 100 or so restaurants. In uh, 06, I shifted over to just what had just started um, uh, growing as the franchise department and was the vice president of franchise initiatives from 06 through through when I ended in 14. And that's when I was attracted to Larkburger. And uh, full disclosure, the founder of Noodles & Company, Aaron Kennedy, had joined the board of Larkburger Restaurants and was my connection with Larkburger. When, when he approached me about chatting with these folks, he didn't tell me who they were, wanted me to meet them first because they're great people and, and you know really made a strong impression on me. But they had me the minute they said Larkburger because it was my favorite burger place. Their location in Boulder was within a walk of our offices, and I loved it uh, whenever I wanted something that was – non-noodles, I definitely went over to Larkburger. And it's it's been a match made in heaven, uh, at least from my perspective, ever since. It, it's a company that I can really uh, be proud to be associated work with. Uh, as I said, the, the, the quality of the food is exceptional. And at the end of the day, that's something everybody can rally around, uh, that we, we're doing something we can be proud of, that we're better than the average bear. And that it's, it's, it's something that's a much, much more meaningful than just kind of sling and hash type place. Uh, so that's my story, Tommy, in terms of my origin. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, 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 like I say, I don't know about career highlights. And there, there, there are some lowlights in there as well. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's been fun. Every once in a while, I look back and say, how did this happen? You know, I started off as a busboy and you just kind of continue uh because it's fun you know it's it's a fast paced business it 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 
it kind of scratches a lot of itches along the way. It's fun. It's challenging. You build great relationships. Um, you, you get a, immediate feedback and satisfaction. Uh, it's, it's full of challenges, but it's a, it's a business um, like any other business, I would say, in many, many ways, but you certainly develop stronger relationships. There's a lot more regular routine relationships that you develop along the way with coworkers, uh, with co-developers, and then probably the biggest part for me is that it's, it's not boring. You know, every day there's a routine to everything that you do, but at the same time it's not boring. It's, it's a business that allows you to, to focus on a lot of different aspects of, the, of, of uh, restaurants. Oh, cool. Um, so, by the way, I just saw the press release that you guys hired a new CEO. Do you want to maybe other people who get the NRN magazine uh, email might have seen that as well? Yeah, it, we're pretty excited about this. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always uh, sad to see somebody leave. Uh, Adam Baker, uh, again, a little little foundation perhaps, the Larkspur Restaurant, the, the founding chef there was Thomas Slominovich, and the general manager kind of ran the business part of things is Adam Baker. And after many years of operating one of the most successful restaurants in Vail, high-end, you know, $30, $35 check average at lunch, $70 at dinner before wine, they, they were just killing it uh, day and night. And after relaxing one, one evening late after a busy shift, you know, they realized, despite the high-quality food and how successful we are, at the end of the day, the best-selling item on the, on the menu was the Lark Burger, hence mm-hmm. the name. You know, and the Lark Spur restaurant and the Lark Burger was the best-moving item, single item on the menu. And, and their idea, the, the, when they were conceptualizing it, was, why don't we just serve this burger in a really comfortable, relaxed atmosphere so that all the locals up here in Vail can can eat there, uh, they can bring their families by, it's a place to hang out, you know, it's not a big investment, it doesn't take a lot of time, like a full, you know, full service fine dine experience would. And and that that was really what spurred the development of Lark Burger Long, the first location opened up in Edwards, and, and it was actually almost exactly 10 years ago, in, in mid-December, we're gonna be celebrating our 10th anniversary of, of Lark Burger. And along the way, not only uh, the locals and their families, but everybody who lives on the Front Range found it their, to be their go-to place. And then tourists. We get people not only from all around the country, but all around the world that they always say, our first stop is Larkburger, because we've been waiting to get back to Vail and have a Larkburger, because they live in you know Mexico City or you know Paris or wherever, and they come out for some great skiing, and somehow or other, that burger is associated with that experience. So it's, it's kind of a neat deal all the way around. And that's the allure of not only good food, but convenient, comfortable, reasonably priced, and hopefully, you know, with a fun atmosphere when, you know, it's not overtly fun, but just everybody's having a good time. They take pride in what they do. They're confident and it kind of makes, makes a good impression on people. So Adam, after 10 years plus with, with this, this Larkburger concept, is, is decided he's going to go do something else. And we have, we have a great team put together. And over the last two years, I'm proud to have been part of it, of course. And we're, we're geared for growth. And you mentioned that early on. We're, we're going to be opening up our first outside of Colorado restaurant uh, in Kansas City, in Overland Park, actually, uh, this January. So we're looking forward to that. And to really spur the growth that, that, that we have on tap, 
we wanted to get somebody um, on board to take that lead role as CEO that has experienced that, you know, that, that growth from uh, a couple of restaurants to, to, you know, hundreds of restaurants. And Todd Corver is the fellow that we're fortunate enough to land after a really exhaustive search. It was truly a national search. Todd is coming to us uh, from his position of chief operating officer of Taco Cabana restaurants out of San Antonio, Texas. And he really just checked all the boxes. He's a great guy, a great fit to our culture. He will continue kind of polishing our culture. And a guy that's really focused on food and the messaging, his strength is in operations and, and, and marketing and development. He's a guy that's going to take us, it's a sports terminology, I guess, to the next level. Uh, and really excited to, to be working with him. He'll be starting with us on uh, the 31st of this month, Halloween. So that, that, that'll be kind of interesting. But he'll, he'll uh, be he's, you know, in the process of finishing up where he is at Taco Cabana and will be moving up here and bringing his family up to this area. And uh, uh, he's excited to be here as well. Obviously, it's not radio silence b- between uh, the time he accepted the, j- the job and starting. We're working together pretty closely on making sure that he can hit the ground running when, when he gets here. So uh, it's good stuff. It's exciting times for us. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, let's move on to question number two. What is the big project or initiative that you're working on right now? Growth. <laughs> the growth <laughs> of, of, the, of the brand. We've got a pretty uh, robust pipeline uh, for continued development here in Colorado. Then Kansas City, again, our first restaurant will be in Overland Park. And uh, we have a pipeline consisting of, uh, depending upon the day, you know, six to eight locations throughout that market. We think it'll it'll accept that and, and more. Uh, Kansas City is a it's a market that we chose after some some pretty careful research of a number of surrounding markets, and there will be more too to to be able to accommodate the growth that we're looking at. Uh, you'll see us popping up in different cities around the country. Right now, again, it might it may be modified a bit with, with Todd's experience. And he has, again, experienced the development of um, Taco Cabana throughout the, the Texas area and the South. Um, we've targeted Salt Lake City, Minneapolis, uh, Austin, Dallas, Phoenix, and, and cities kind of within a contiguous region here. But who knows? We are uh, up for anything and everything. Uh, burgers are, are, are the the, um, the most it's 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 the most popular meal, lunch or dinner anywhere in the country. It's something that fits anywhere in the country, and people are always looking for where's the best burger. You know, whenever you get into a new area, there's two things you need to know, or maybe three. One, where's the best burger? You know, who has the best burger and fries? The second is who's got the best pizza, and the third is usually Where's the good beer? You know, where can I go get a good beer? Where's an interesting local brewery? And and that th- that that makes Lark Burger or any you know burger type restaurant something that could fit into almost any type of a market. Um, so yeah, with Todd coming aboard, it's it's it's, it's going to really kind of supercharge our growth, I believe. Is the plan to like land and expand in markets? So like, instead, so as you mentioned, several cities, Minneapolis, Kansas, or sorry, Salt Lake, uh, you know, Phoenix. Is the idea though that you'll go to like Kansas City and then you'll try to get four or five restaurants going in Kansas City and then move 
to the next market so that you can get like an area manager in that market that can kind of support those stores versus having one guy flying to multiple cities with just one location in each city? You know, Tommy, there's an awful lot about you that I like. And one of the things is <laughs> you, you're smart and you get stuff. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a business. Again, you were opening restaurants, but you have to operate it as a business. And and one of the one of the things we're doing very very carefully and and with great thought um, and consideration is how do you build a brand in a in a new market? You know, uh, I, I was bragging earlier about we're of Colorado. This is our home turf. We originated here. We're we're not like a whiteboard project that a bunch of guys just kind of thought over an afternoon somewhere. You know, what would be cool to have in a restaurant? We're reflective of what worked well at Larkspur, just distilled down and simplified. Um, how do we bring that message to Kansas City? You know, the, the hey, we're from Colorado and we know what you're going to like. You know, that approach isn't all that great. We want to be who we are. You know, we're not going to change, but there will be some subtle differences. Here in Colorado, we, we, we offer beer and wine. Uh, in all of our restaurants, they're local microbrews. You know, we, we don't have the big the big boys, the big breweries, and, and it's purposely so. And we think it's reflective of, of, of how we craft our food and, and pair it with the right local community-supporting type breweries. We're going to do the same thing in Kansas City. They have some awesome breweries out there. Um, we'll use as many local providers as we can that fits within our, our model, you know, local produce and, and supporting the local community, and, and that, that means – uh, all, all the folks out there, the different charities and, and, and school systems and teams and the businesses as well. So when we're looking at Kansas City and developing restaurants there, you can't develop one or two. It just isn't sustainable, particularly uh, when you're talking fast casual. You have to get up to multiples that, that, that scale up properly and start to make sense from an economic perspective. And, and for us, uh, you know, when we talk about you know, six or so is probably the minimum. If we didn't believe we could build that many, it, it just doesn't make sense because you do need to have a person that's really out there to be the face of the business and and make sure that we're maintaining our our controls consistently and really executing uh, operationally and and representing the brand well. Um, hopefully, at some point, we'll have you know fifteen or twenty. But that that the the early plan is is to scale up rapidly enough that you're starting to be um, seen. You know, there's a bit of a buzz where people see, oh, they built one in Overland Park where I go to shop, and oh, they built one over here where I work, and oh, here's another one now. It's close to where I live. So pretty soon you, you can be part of somebody's life and, and of their routines. And then until we get there, it, it doesn't make sense to focus on an, on another market um, you know, at some point you scale up and you can develop multiple markets uh, simultaneously. But right now our plan is definitely to get the first couple open before we would open in, say, Salt Lake City or Phoenix or whatever it might be, because we want to make sure we have it right. It's more important to do it really well um, and, and be delivering consistently high-quality food in the right kind of an atmosphere that, that you know we aspire to. And instead of just having a, a burst of restaurants open and having them really not run that well. Yeah. Well, especially the first couple on any new market, that's, that's your first impression. It's, it's, it's key, 100%. And here's, 
One of the neat things about Larkburger, um, there's all kinds of business models and all kinds of ways to go about doing things. Right now, we are wholly, we're privately held, uh, we're, we're not public, and, and we're focusing on nothing but company-owned and operated restaurants. Nice. And we're not a franchise model, and, and franchise is, is, is an awesome model for lots of folks. But, but you need to have a really well-established brand and systems. You have to prove your concept in different markets. You have to have the supply chain in place. Um, think, things that, that, that take time, effort, and, and, and a lot of money to do. And that's not something, you know, we don't want to get out in front of our skis there. We want to make sure that we're doing well in, in all the basics. We want to make sure we're focused on the blocking and tackling before we look at anything else. This gives us a lot more control. And the other thing with franchising, as a franchisee, oftentimes you're, um, you're required to abide by a schedule of growth. And, and that schedule sometimes might be a little quicker than what the market really would, would support. And with Larkburger being all company-owned and operated, we're going to grow at a pace that fits our own business plan, but we'll be flexible enough to make sure that we're not forcing it and not opening restaurants that we're not going to be capable of running really, really well. Cool, cool. Cool. Question number three. You're, just, you're breezing right through here, Wayne. Uh, what is the one thing in the industry or your business that's keeping you up at night? Did, did you say one thing? <laughs> yeah, the Come biggest on, thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm going to tell you, it's, it's not one thing. It's, it's at least two things, and that would be people, which is the, everything in our business. It's all people, people, people. And, and there's food safety has really crept up. But to take the first one, you know, we're, we're, we are absolutely only as good as our people. We've been, we've got great people, but the, the industry is, is under such pressure right now. There's so, uh, so much focus on, on um, retaining really good people. It's, it's a very tough environment. Again, I've, I've been in the business since 1970 uh, and I've, I've never seen it. Uh, as, as tough as it is. And some of the toughness is just competitiveness. And we're as competitive as anybody else. But it's a very, very tough environment right now uh, for recruiting and retention. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, you know, the, right now, I, I think it's just so easy to get a job, particularly in, in our area here in Colorado. The unemployment rate is 2.9%. It's well below what, what I think many... Uh, economists would say is full employment. Uh, so it's just so easy to get a job that oftentimes uh, folks, if, it's, if a job is, is, is challenging at time or tough, or even if it's, hey, I'm not getting the schedule I want, it's easy to walk across the parking lot and get another job. And um, the restaurant industry, we hurt ourselves, I think, in, in that we're, we're all looking for great people. So when somebody walks in the door, it's that, oh, okay, great. You, you want to work here? Can you start tonight? You know, we, 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 have, we have really hamstrung ourselves in many ways by lowering the bar and, and not being respectful of each other as fellow employers in the same market. Um, it's, I mean, there's crazy stories about, out there about restaurants just being decimated. You know, somebody, somebody leaves and finds a new job and they're told, hey, tell your buddies, you know, we'll pay them a buck an hour more. And, and entire restaurants are decimated. We, we've been fortunate enough to not experience that. But it's, it's much more difficult to 
retain people than it used to be, and we really work at it hard. So the thing that keeps me awake is how can we be the very best employer? How can we be a place where people want to work? And uh, it's it's um, it's something that I we're not we haven't figured it all out yet by any means, or it wouldn't be keeping me awake at night. But we work real hard at it. We 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 measure. Um, the, the things that are important to our team members. You know, we, we have uh, team member customer, or, you know, we treat them like a guest or a customer. We, we have surveys where, you know, we have anonymous uh, response, responses where we say, hey, what, you know, here's our 10 questions. You know, what do you like about working here? What do you not like about working here? What would make your job easier? You know, what's the one thing you really hate? And, and we're responsive to it. And, and because of these surveys, I think we're a better employer, we're a better place to work. You know, we, we've simplified some, some of the prep without losing what makes us different. You know, we, we do a lot of scratch prep in our restaurants, but we've tried to simplify some of the steps uh, along the way to take out some of the more repetitious and, and more tedious pieces of it. Uh, we make sure that we're, we're hiring people with shared beliefs um, that, that, that are as concerned about quality food as we are. Uh, you know, there's never been as much focus on food uh, as, as there is now. There's entire TV channels dedicated to nothing but food shows. You know, there's more celebrity chefs than there are rock stars, I think, right now. It's, uh, it, it's really important in people's lives, and people care about what they eat. And, and it's really important to us that we attract people that have those shared beliefs that really care about food, and they, they are happy people. You can't train somebody to be happy or, or upbeat and, and care about other people. You've got to hire that. You know, you, you, you just can't make somebody be happy. You can provide all, all the elements in an atmosphere in which they can be happy, but it, it's tough. Uh, so making sure that we have great people and that we're providing the very best atmosphere and environment for them to want to keep coming to work and and have a happy upbeat mood and care about the details uh, I mean restaurants are complex uh, organisms so there's a lot going on there and I guess that leads into the second thing I mean that's food safety and for all the reasons that everybody listening to this knows food safety is just so critical and you know we have all the right training procedures and reminders and uh, checkups and line checks, and we involve our team members. Uh, we, we actually have each of our employees, every single hourly employee, uh, go, go through a uh, serve safe class to make sure that above and beyond what we teach them, you know, at Larkburger, that they're really tuned in to exactly what they can do, what their role is in terms of, of guaranteeing that our, our food is safe and wholesome for people to eat. So food safety is a real big issue, and the food safety not only from the perspective of, you know, again, like, like the E. coli or salmonella or things of that nature, which can really get people sick and, and, and have an impact on their life, but also from allergies and sensitivities to things like gluten or, or soy or nuts or whatever it might be, that, that there's a, that, that, that is, is a much higher priority for the industry than it ever has been before. And we really are in a pretty good position because we have a fairly limited menu. We like to do a few things really well. So, so we do keep it pretty straightforward. 
but we also educate our team on all ingredients and why these things are important. I, I think that that is one of the things that contributes to uh, you know, uh, an environment where, where more people want to be and want to work because we, we don't tell people what to do. We show them why it's important to do certain things. And when, when you've worked at Larkburger, you receive an education that carries beyond our company and our restaurants. It is applicable to your own home life uh, and any other restaurant uh, job that you might have down the road. Uh, and also uh, maybe just a little bit of the respect for each other. Hopefully it carries forward that, you know, we, we, we want to be a place that pays well, and we are, that treats people with respect and in an ethical fashion, uh, really focus on team building, just all, all the things, you know, free food. We want our team to, to know our food and be conversant, to be able to talk about our food. So it's in our training materials, without a doubt, it's something we talk about a lot, but we also invite them to eat free food every time they work with us uh, so that they can really say with great truth, you know, when asked, hey, what's your favorite item? Oh, my gosh, you got to try the chicken burger. Let me tell you what makes it great. I love the flash fried jalapenos on it, whatever it might be, that they can really talk about it instead of, and, and we've all been in a restaurant where you ask, what, you know, what do you think of this item? And they say, oh, I don't know. I've never tried it. I'm like, ah, okay, that's, that's yeah. this kind of should be like the baseline, right, that the, the people working in a restaurant should be able to talk, you know, not knowingly, knowledgeably about, about the food. The food – Food safety and and making sure that our team is really well educated in terms of of the the various allergies and sensitivities that that uh, our guests ask about because there's never been a time where that has been more on people's minds. Um, I, I don't know the reason why that is, but it is. And, and uh, again, Larkburgers is not not only because we have a, a, a fairly um, uh, tight menu. But also, one of our founders um, has celiac disease, so gluten is a big issue. As a matter of fact, every item in our restaurant uh, is, is, is gluten-free with the exception, and it's a big exception, of the bun. We sell five, 600 burgers a day on buns, so that's a lot of gluten floating around and going on. But we do uh, feature a gluten-free bun, which is really popular. It's made by Udi's Bakery. It's the only bun we found that tastes like a burger bun. Um, you know, and eats, it has the same consistency, mouthfeel, and flavor. It's it's an excellent bun. And let, just wrapping with, with lettuce, uh, which prior to being part of the Lark Burger team, I would have thought it was, you know, one in a thousand burgers would be eaten like that, but it's much, much more. A lot of folks and again, it's a preference. It might be gluten. It might be, um, you know, calories. Whatever, whatever is driving that, um, a significant uh, portion of our uh, burgers are eaten in that fashion. So it's always been a surprise to me. There's a lot more that keeps me up at night. You know, uh, how did the Broncos drop that game last week? Uh, is, is right at the top of it. But you know, quality people and making sure that, that, that we're providing that environment where people really want to work and care about us and feel a part of the team is, is number one, and making sure that we're doing everything possible to, to, to protect our business and our guests um, by making sure it's a really safe place to eat. So far, so good, but it's definitely something that, that is uh, on the top of the list for the, the nighttime uh, wake-up calls. We saw a stat, I think it's from the Tennessean magazine, and it was um, a consulting firm had done a study 
and the stat was that if 28% of diners would never return to a restaurant chain, if that chain suffered a major foodborne illness outbreak, even if the foodborne illness outbreak wasn't in their direct area. And then you go, that's an interesting stat. Well, Chipotle sales are still down 25, 26% right now, that where they were prior to everything that happened. And I mean, it's only been two years, but you go, oh, it's kind of interesting, you know, that, that that's that's pretty close to what their sales drop has been. And I mean, it, it my, has, it hit them hard. Yeah, it was third quarter of last year. So yeah. they're going to start lapping it, you know, the results late, later this quarter and then into yeah. the fourth quarter will, you know, be more normalized, I guess is, is the way to put it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's horrific. And, you know, through the years, there's, there's been, instances with you know jack in the box that had some of the worst cases and a mexican concept back east called uh, uh i think it was uh, uh chichis yeah. had uh, a real problem as well and it's i mean literally it's a horror story and and it's it's something that there's there's a trust involved anytime people eat in a restaurant there's a trust involved that that everything is going to be safe and everything is going going to be you know wholesome and nutritious and 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 all that and and it's um it, it's it's interesting because I, I think most of the practices uh, these days most of the issues that that um, or up to now I should say can be traced back to something in the restaurant something went wrong you yeah. know it's employee hygiene or it's practices or time and temp something of that nature but our food chain, our supply chain, and how food moves all around our country and, and these, these great factory farms and whatnot that, that combines a lot of different things. You know, in the restaurant, you, you, know, you, you break the cycle, you change out pans, you use time and temp to, to control safety in many ways. But the, our, our supply chain is prone also to, to um, as safe as they may be, if they have one bad apple, and no pun intended, but look at Odwalla with their juice. They found out that somebody, instead of picking apples off trees and only using those, they said these on the ground look perfectly good. They just fell off. They're they're super ripe. Uh, And they threw those in, and that's what caused the issue because cows were grazing in the same apple fields. And unintended consequences. It, it, It can happen. And you know, what, whatever that, that, that bushel of apples is in a position now to contaminate, you know, large mass quantities of, of product and, and, and made people ill. So, yeah, it, it, it is um, it's dangerous times. It, you know, there, there's, there's a real relationship between the food producers and, and then the kind of the last, you know, hands that touch it, right, the folks in the restaurant business that have to be really, really careful about what we do and always vigilant. And, and you're right. I mean, it, 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 a brand like ours, Chipotle is so big and so successful, they will weather this. I mean, they're, they're going to be just fine. A small brand like ours, would, would, it would put us out of business. That's scary, for sure. Um, okay, yes, so I, did, I thought this was supposed to be an upbeat, fun show. I know, now I want to cry. Doom and gloom and dire consequences (laughs) and all this. Tommy, let me ask you a question. What is keeping other people up at night? Um, 
So from what I've been hearing, uh, a lot of people, it is uh, the minimum wage hikes. I think that's been one that a lot of people have been speaking about uh, on the podcast has just been, you know, it's coming too fast and that, and especially too, in some areas like in Seattle, where it's not really being applied fairly between franchise and non-franchise restaurants, stuff like that. Yep. Uh, that was a big one that people have been concerned about. Uh, another one is, I think, just trying to stay in front of the, the not just not just the changing like demographics of people, but how people are consuming food and, and the increased amount of takeout versus maybe being in the restaurants, you know, and so trying to like and, and just trying to adjust for the this sort of crazy quick change in how people are eating different different types of people like women versus men, young versus old, all these changing trends and making sure that you can keep in front of what's actually happening so that you don't, you know, you know, I mean, the way things move today, if you miss an opportunity with working women, then boom, you could be in real trouble. You could, you know, see your sales dip pretty quickly if one of your competitors can get in there and do something different. So that's kind of what it, people have been concerned about. You're right, and, and that is regulations are making business tough. And, and yeah. you know, it's tough enough, even if it's an even playing ground, and let's say minimum wage, if it's federal minimum wage and everybody's playing by the same rules, yeah. and, and then even state, you know, within the state, but when it's balkanized, when it gets to city and, yeah. and, and small micro community having a different minimum wage, minimum wage it, it really is so self-defeating because – I think in most cases when cities have established these high minimum wages, you know, with, with good intentions, obviously, you know, they, yeah. they, they want the people to live and work in their community to make more money. I would all love to make more money. The problem is businesses choose to go elsewhere. They choose to open their operations around the perimeter of, of that, that small enclave. And then all the jobs go out and all the sales taxes generated go somewhere else. You know, it needs to be this big, bigger areas and you know from a federal perspective it, it makes sense it is tough and it's not just minimum wage you know it's a salary exemption that is, is you know being you know there's potential for delay i'm not holding my breath you know december 1st that's more than doubling what the old salary exemption was it doesn't make sense and the restaurant business and i'm i'm a perfect example i started off as a minimum wage it, you know, just coming into the business, and and I, I I've achieved some degree of success throughout the years, and it's because I worked with people who were good and smart, and I worked hard, and they cared about me, and you know somehow or other it all just parlayed into that. That that, that can't happen in a lot of businesses. You can't be a, a 15 year old kid and say, yeah, I'm going to be sweeping the floors in this office, and they, and they do engineering, or you know they're an architectural firm, or you know, it's a chemistry lab. It's really cool. And just kind of hang out and watch and spend time with people and then become, uh, you know, adept at that or be able to do it in the restaurant business. You can. And when you have talent and interest and a good work ethic, people will invest time in developing you within their entity. So you can come to good jobs that are challenging and rewarding in our industry in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, you can go to school and do it. You can start with, you know, one of the big like a Hyatt or a Marriott and really be developed as a young uh, up-and-coming talent. 
or you can just bootstrap yourself and work hard and, and make sure that you're paying attention and become a success. That's just not true in many industries. So that's something that the restaurant industry has had for a long time. This new exemption that actually penalizes employers for wanting people to be on salary, which traditionally is the first step towards, you know, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, Tommy, a real job, right? I'm not hourly. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a manager and I get paid time off. I get vacation time. I get a bonus program. I get a car allowance. I get phone allowance. I'm on my way. You know, I'm making it. Um, that has always been kind of the, the line of demarcation. And restaurant business is, is, is it's a tough business. I mean, seven days a week, uh, it could be it could be only lunch and, and, and breakfast, or it could be breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or what have you. But it, it is a business that throws hours at people. Um, you, know, you know, at Larkburger, one of the things we're proud of, our managers average right at about 45 hours. And if they schedule themselves for 40, and, you know, it just all kind of works out. But, but to be told by the government that you need to do this and you need to do that, the, the unintended consequence there is that we have people on salary that we're going to have to. We, we just can't. They're so far away from the salary that they're going to have to be uh, brought back to hourly. And, and although they will be making the same amount of money and paid OT, it just psychologically, the, the, the spirit of the deal changes. It's going to be different without a doubt. Um, all, all of these changes, trying, try you know, the social engineering of saying, instead of 831 an hour, we want you to make 12 or 15 an hour. I mean, why not 50 bucks an hour, right? Wouldn't we all be better off making 50 bucks an hour? But the, there's consequences. Then there's going to be a lot fewer people being paid anything. You know, if, if it costs that much to have an employee, then you're going to see a lot more automation in our business. You know, it's just, it happened to gas stations. You know, you used to have somebody pump your gas. Now, forever, it's been decades, you swipe your credit card, you do it all yourself. You know, there's less service. You're still getting gas, but there's less service involved. Supermarkets, we're being trained to be our own cashiers. And, you know, soon there'll just be everything will have a, a radio chip in it, and you'll just walk out with bagging your own groceries, and, and your card, your account will be just charged automatically. Again, though, less service less interaction. It can happen in restaurants too. Fast casual is, is frankly a piece of that. We're, it's, it's an attempt to serve, not an attempt, it's a, it's a method in which we can serve much better food, takes a little bit longer than fast food to get it, but there's less staffing involved. And, and with us, instead of having three cashiers, maybe we go to one cashier and a couple of kiosks. It'll move the line along quickly, but there's less involvement there's less service for people um you know instead of having somebody that really is focused and cares about the nuances of 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 our fries we 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 cut our own fries and potatoes are different different month to month season to season they're a little different so you really need to know so that person working the fry station is an artist they really understand exactly what they need to do to blanch them properly and finish them off properly but, you know, there's automated machines that do that. So in, instead of involving uh, or having food produced by people that care and, and all those jobs that it creates, there's going to be more automation in our business. And, you know, I'm just talking about things that affect us. There's the same thing will apply 
to all types and varieties of restaurants. Um, at one point, drive-throughs were, were considered, you know, so impersonal. Now, the average fast food restaurant, 70% of their sales uh, go out through a drive-through, you know, where it's just, you know, it's just, let's, let's make it as quick and convenient as possible with very little interaction. Uh, oftentimes, the person you're actually speaking to isn't even in that building. You know, they're in, they're in a call center somewhere. Uh, so it's, it's, it's changing our industry, and we'll adapt. There's changes throughout the decades. We adapt to it. But, but that, that, is, that is one. Minimum wage and government regula- uh, regulation is definitely going to have an impact. And, you know, the, the, the thing we all hope and pray is that, you know, if wages go up, then people aren't surprised that menu prices go up because we're not, we're not a nonprofit organization. You know, we, we exist and we, you know, we don't, we're, we're not extravagant, but we make a, a very solid, you know, operating margin. We want to retain that. You know, yeah. we, we, we need that to support the growth that, that we're embarking on now. And um, it, it's, it's um, again, an unintended consequence when the government regulations try to kind of social engineer things. Uh, it, it seems to always get a little out of whack there. Well, and the thing that people need to be aware of, and I think people in the industry get it, is that once you automate a job, it's never coming back. There will never be a time where you go, hey, you know what? We're pulling those auto blanchers out and we're putting a guy back on this because labor's so cheap. Because once the capital investment is made on that machine and then it's depreciated out and you pay for it, it's done. It's there. And and it, no one's going to pull it out. And so if as if these minimum wage hikes drive a ton of automation into the business, those jobs are never coming back because they'll just they might they make more for little like we'll have maybe more repairmen that will fix these things. But other than that, you know, the day of the hey, my first job is in the restaurant industry because the the 16 year old kid who's there to work for the summer is not worth 30k a year. He's just not. So that, but that's a fifteen dollar wage, and so that and it, and it won't work. Right. But you're right. Once once it's enacted, you can't unwind it. Yeah. So you know, it it just doesn't work that way. So it makes it hard. I mean, you go to the restaurant shows, you see what yeah. what's happening, what people are offering. We're not. Uh, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. We're not geniuses. Yeah. We're just part of the mainstream that sees <laughs> this is obviously what is happening. And, and the intent of, of a minimum wage, I mean, it, it's good. Nobody wants people to be taken advantage of. But whoever, whoever established that, well, minimum wage, if somebody works one minimum wage job 40 hours a week, they should be able to support a family of four. I, you know, that, that piece, somehow or other, that's what you hear, the, the bang is being drummed along that line. But but nobody seems to be asking. Well, wait a minute. Why? Why? You know, a minimum wage just means that people shouldn't be abused, yeah. uh, and and they're, and they're not being. But where do you draw the line? So I mean, I've literally had people come tell me I have to have a raise. And and when you ask, we say, well, wait a minute. Why? So well, I just bought a new car and I moved into a bigger apartment and it's a lot more expensive. And I didn't realize I was going to have to pay cable at this apartment. It was included in my old, and you know, my, my wife's pregnant and. You know, well, wait a minute. These are choices you're making. Yeah. How is it that you make these choices that are looking like bad decisions now, and and I'm on the hook to pay you for it? You know, at what point? Maybe maybe if you buy a Corvette, do I have to pay for that too? You know, at what at what point? 
does 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 it really become that? Um, at what point does it become the responsibility of the employer? Uh, and, and again, there should be good checks and balances. But frankly, any business that cares. Again, we talked about what keeps me awake at night: people, quality people. How do you how do you get quality people? We we don't pay minimum wage anywhere. You know, we're, we we want the the best. We want people that are good and care and are reliable and 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 have high personal standards. Um, you know that that don't bring a lot of drama to work each and every day. You know that are really high maintenance. So, so it kind of eliminates a lot of those pieces. But but you see, we're still exposed to it. Um, sure. it it's still part of our you know everyday existence. And and I'm I'm not sure um, how this is ever resolved because there's there's you know everybody has their own perspective and you know there's people that are, that are the champions of of, of folks that they can't speak for themselves. And and we, we think we do that in our own way, you know, by providing good quality jobs. Um, but our our baseline job is not a job that would support a, a big family. You, if, if you're an assistant manager or a manager, now we're talking something different. You know, we're very proud to 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 see a lot of our employees grow within our organization and get married and buy cars and buy homes and things of that nature. That gives you a real sense of pride and a real connection. To it. You're building a relationship with with somebody. You know that they're going to be a success. You know, with Larkberger and in 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 their future and their career beyond Larkberger as well. Um, you know that if if I think when companies focus on that, you know things tend to come together pretty well. For sure, for sure. Hey, I know that you were a little pressed on time, and we have two more questions, so we're going to bang through them really quick. Uh, what is the one thing you thought the industry would be doing right now that it isn't? <laughs> I would have thought that with as much, uh, you know, of a track record and focus on food and the science and the art, everything focused on it, that people would have figured out how to serve good food each and every time. You know, there's there's just a lot of food out there that's not good, uh, that, that, that is either bland or overspiced or held too long or what have you. I, I truly would have thought that it would have been easier to get a great meal uh, more consistently, and it's not. You know, it's, there's there's just a lot of food out there that's very mediocre, and and I don't understand why that is. There there's enough knowledge that it shouldn't be that way. So this would be my checklist, which I don't generally talk about checklists too much in the podcast. But we have found from just our clients that the people who do the line checks, where they are tasting the food in the line checks they have they have lower food comps and essentially lower food costs because they are catching their own mistakes before their their customers are and uh and, and that they're being held accountable to doing those line checks every single shift so i would say that would be because when you're making a lot from scratch if somebody grabs the wrong thing and they put salt or sugar or the recipes aren't clear you know or they're just going off memory versus going off of the actual recipe, then that's where you get that ebb and flow and the consistency. But then obviously it also has to be prepared correctly as well, right? So, Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I would throw another element in there that when you do things right, when you are consistently reliable and, and the food you serve is the way it was intended to be served, it, it's not only your cost of goods, 
and and you know your your amount of comps and whatnot, but it's your sales. So you're going to grow sales yeah, because absolutely. you become kind of that go-to place that people can rely on and know that they're going to get a good meal. And when they say, "Oh my gosh, you got to try the truffle fries at Larkburger," then and they bring a friend there, they're going to be the what they imagine them to be. You know, they're not going to be you know changing all the time. Uh, and that and that's a big part of it. You're right. Our systems are such, and I know Ops Analytica really. Uh, really underscores that piece of it that in your line checks, you know, don't, don't just check the boxes, you know, actually do what is, what, you know, um, follow through on the intention, which is let's make sure that everything is, is what it should be and safe, but that it tastes the way it should taste as well. And, and that's a big piece of it. And I think that's, that's one of the areas, you know, fast food has always been awesome at, at making sure that things are in place, you know, that they're ready for every shift, that food is, you know, stocked and, and it's, um, you know, at the right temperature, all those things. I think it's the, the quality, the taste where they generally fall down. And at Larkburger, just kind of bang our own drum a little bit. We, we use the French term mise en place, that everything's in its place and as it should be. You know, and we definitely do the tasting. We have little tasting spoons that we use that are real spoons, not something we throw away, but they're tasting spoons so that we can make sure that things are tasting the way they should. And it's, it's probably a little more important with us because of the amount of scratch preparation we do. You know, you're more prone to, you know, variances within the recipe, you know, a little bit more of this than that, and all of a sudden the flavor profile is off. Uh, but that, that's a real critical point. You're right about that. That makes it makes it better. But yeah, that, that's something that bugs me is why do we have so much food that's just not what it should be when we absolutely know how to do it right? Yep. That's, uh, you're the first person who brought that one up. I like that. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> okay. Last question. Uh, recap like a really funny or horrible story that happened in your career. Uh, you know, here's the thing. There's been, I've been doing this for over 40 years, so there's been all kinds of things uh, that have turned out to be funny, but usually I'm the butt of the joke. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, and it is an industry, it, it, it's, um, humor is so important, and the sense of humor is so important in this business because it's high pressure. We're doing a lot. You're working in close quarters. It gets stressful. It's tense. You know, it, it's, it's, um, it's it's really uh, uh, kind of a the pressure cooker in the kitchen. Oftentimes, you have to do so much in such a fast at such a fast pace that humor really is kind of that social lubricant in in the, in the kitchen in the front of the house. But but here's something when when you mention this to me again, I, it's usually me. It's usually at my expense. But I uh, I traveled to Minneapolis to give a seminar. Uh, to a group of managers, there's about 30 people there, and and it was kind of a two-pronged seminar. It was it was being prepared, so it was kind of what we're talking about. It was being prepared uh, to run your restaurant and to run a shift and things of that nature, um, with a component on sales building, and it was geared on check averages. You know, as a weight person, how how to suggest a sell properly to build check averages and how it's mutually beneficial. You know, it's been if you do it properly and thoughtfully, it's great for the guests because you're introducing them to the menu and the things that maybe they didn't consider. You know, it's not hard sale. It's 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 hey, did you think of this? You know, did you know we had that type thing? And then what it does for the restaurant and what it does for the individual server. You know, with some mathematical charts and 
the whole presentation was geared around a videotape. Um, and this this was back in the days of videotapes. As everybody is kind of wondering what that is. But so I'm talking about being prepared. I've got my flip charts and I've got my handouts. I've got everything going on. Kind of set the scene in this classroom setting for how important it is to double check things, be prepared, and kind of know what you're talking about, know what you're doing. And after introducing the first couple of pages of the flip chart, it was time to go to the video. I hit the play button, and instead of the great video that really went through this very carefully and thoughtfully and, and successfully, it was one of my kids' uh, cartoons. You know, it was a cartoon video of some kid's show. And so here I am in front of 30 people that were all successful, and they're, they're looking to me, and the only, the only expertise I brought was that I had traveled you know, more than 50 miles to be there. I had gone from Denver up to Minneapolis and, you know, kind of fell flat on my face because there was no alternate uh, alternative uh, video. Obviously, the video case was the right case, but the videotape was the wrong one. Uh, so I had to wing it from that point on, and it was a case in point, right? If yeah. you're talking about being prepared, you better be prepared. But everybody took it with a great sense of humor, and, you know, hopefully it was an object lesson, so to speak. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Wayne, thank you for being on. This is the chance of the podcast where I give you to plug something uh, for yourself and for your business. So do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, well, yeah, we talked a little bit about Todd coming down. And this is a uh, it's a great company with great leadership and uh, growth. It's not that we're just starting to think about growth. We're actively engaged in growth and we need some good people in our management ranks, we talked a little bit about the environment at Larkberger and, and that we're always looking for great uh, additions to our teams. And, and that leads up to the plug is for Walk-In Wednesdays. We introduced Walk-In Wednesdays two weeks ago, and it is uh, an event at each one of our restaurants on Wednesdays between the hours of 2 and 5 o'clock, we have open interviews. And it's not just interviews. You'll be interviewing with the general manager, the person with the hiring decision uh, capability. You know, you're not going to walk away with another two or three interviews scheduled. We'll be able to make decisions uh, to either offer a job or not on walk-in Wednesdays. And since we're Larkburger and we're not just in the food business, we're in the hospitality business, just for coming in for that interview on walk-in Wednesdays, you get a free bowl of our world-famous, award-winning, Larkburger chili. Nice. It can't be beat. Wow, that's super cool. Well, it Wayne, is actually, we we won best chili in Boulder. Uh, it, it's the tail end of summer up at the a contest at the Boulder Reservoir. <laughs> that's awesome. Everybody loves Reservoir chili, so you know that's really good. Well, if you if you don't like <laughs> Reservoir chili, you 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 would appreciate Reservoir dogs at least. That's awesome, Wayne. Thank yeah, you that's so a movie much. Reference. I know that, that, yeah, that we can talk about that <laughs> offline. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming in today and uh, being on the podcast. And uh, thank you so much, Wayne, and have a great day. Hey, it was a pleasure. Take care, Tommy. Much success. Take care. Bye bye.